This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Landon. With me is Lane Skeeters, a Democrat candidate for the South Central District seat on the Fisher City Council, part of my series of podcasts with candidates for the Fisher City Council. So, Lane, welcome. Good to have you. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate you still keeping this up. We're we're working on it. Uh, Mike Fossold had been joining me. He has family responsibilities, but uh, I've tried to incorporate a few of his questions into what I'll be asking uh, today. So, yeah, this is our second time to do a podcast and your second run for a council seat, the same seat you are uh, vying for right now. So I guess the obvious question is what motivated you to be a candidate once again? Well, I mean, you know, honestly, um, it came down to conversations with, uh, you know, leaders in the in, in the community and and talking about what we could do in the future. I had initially intended to to help those that might want to run um, in my uh, facilities as the uh, president of the uh, Fishers Democratic Club, but you know, in conversations, you know, we we talked about it, and you know. The, the what we were seeing coming down the down the pipeline uh, within the city was really scaring us. It wasn't what we had been talking about for years, um, and uh, we really realized we needed a, a, a good slate to offer people a choice. Um, so, in conversations I had with both uh, Jocelyn and um, with Crystal Newman. We talked about what possibilities there were. As you know, when I ran last time, I had particular platform items, things that I had uh, intended to focus on, one of those being the downtown area, which is no longer in my district. Um, and so you know, I, I talked about you know, not just what we need to sort of fight against right now, but what we can possibly achieve in the future once we hopefully move past all of this. Uh, well, uh, you, and you've been uh, campaigning door-to-door, as most mm-hmm. of the candidates have. So in that process of going door-to-door, uh, what have you learned from that experience and the conversations you've had? Well, um, you know, there's there's two mindsets of people. There's the, 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 the person that kind of goes to work every day, comes home, takes care of their kids, lives their, lives their life, and, and honestly doesn't pay a lot of attention to the goings-on in, in the, the local, um, you know, kind of political arena. Um, and, and those people, you know, what they care about is they see, you know, things like the development going on, road construction, you know, the nuts and bolts of, of you know, running a city. And for the most part, I think a lot of them are, are very satisfied. Um, and, you know, what, what I will talk to them is, you know, we have a lot of things that are going really great. Uh, but what I see is a process that is broken uh, and how we get there. Uh, we, I see a, a process that doesn't include people up front early in conversations when we're talking about new projects. Um, I'll bring up the community center, which is something that I had asked to be done uh, four years ago. Um, there was no information put out there that that might, might be a possibility. Uh, when it was announced earlier this year, uh, it, we found out that it was something that was uh, being talked about um, uh, sort of behind closed doors. Uh, and that's what I want to get at. You know, we're, we're happy to have a, a great community center coming. It's going to be right down the road for me. Uh, but we need to kind of change up that process and involve more people earlier on uh, in there. Uh, but the, the other uh, sort of person that I would talk to would be the, the person, and, and there's more and more of these, unfortunately, that have caught the local news, what's going on. In fact, it's become national news. Um, and on both sides of the political aisle that I've talked to, basically they're just tired of it. They don't like our community being painted with that brush. 
Um, we they see we already have sort of a reputation for being maybe a little hoity-toity, a little less inclusive than we need to be. Um, and we actively fight against that as community members and fishers. We, we talk to people, tell people what a wonderful community is, uh, how great the schools are, how great the parks are, all those things, and how wonderful and open everyone that we know in our neighborhoods are. Um, and what we're seeing in the, uh, in the news with the uh, you know, information coming out, what's going on here in the library board, uh, we're here in the library, um, school board, those sort of things, you know, we're seeing a, a push from what I consider to be mainly outside uh, voices or, or uh, smaller groups of people that are, that are pushing for things that the community at large does not appreciate. Well, since you mentioned the library board, I'm going to ask you a question I planned on asking anyway on that. Would you favor the city of Fishers having one or two appointments to the Hamilton East Library Board? Um, I think that it makes sense for all interested parties to have a voice in, in, in those appointments. Um, I would certainly appreciate that being on uh, the city council. Um, we have to figure out the right the, the makeup and who needs who needs kind of the most most voice when it comes to that. But it's clear that the city itself is an interested party in, in how the libraries run. Uh, we've seen uh, the current situation has impacted our reputation. Um, and that's not that's not a good thing, obviously. Well, and and I've heard from a lot of city officials that they, they wish they had a, a an appointment or two on that board. And if you go back, the reason that uh, the way it's set up now, HSC Schools has one appointee, Noblesville has two, only because the library's headquartered there, and the county commissioners have two, and the county council have two. This was set up when Noblesville and Fishers were tiny towns. So mm-hmm. I would hope, and that would take a state legislative uh, law change to change that. Yeah. I want to go to something else because uh, not that long ago, Fishers had an outside firm conduct a housing study. It's about 80 to 100 pages if you want to read the whole thing, and there's a lot of data in there. I do remember going uh, to a meeting a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, and somebody on the planning and zoning staff of uh, the city said at one time that one of the yardsticks about housing costs would be asking this question. Can your police officers, firefighters, uh, teachers, other civil servants afford to live in the community where they work? Well, that's beginning to change here in Fishers with the cost and availability of housing. So what is your view about what, if any, uh, how should I put this, involvement the city should have in this? Um, well, I mean, obviously the city should be uh, involved in it. It, it directly impacts every uh, citizen living here. Um, you, know, you, you mentioned uh, the, the people that, that work here, like teachers and, and firefighters and those. You know, I, I am certainly not a, a public servant in that way, uh, but I will say that my, my salary is is very similar to their situation. And uh, being a single-family income uh, home, uh, raising two children in, here in the district, I know it's a struggle. Um, and so, you know, I it is it is a difficult thing. I couldn't truly afford the house that I live in now if I hadn't bought it in 2015. That's the honest honest truth. And there are so many people that that work here, uh, not just our civil servants, but many people that work here that make you know a, a decent living um, and would like to live here, but but just can't afford it. And the you know the reason is simply 
uh, supply. There's not enough supply. And I've talked to many people. I went to the hand conference um, where they uh, talking about affordable housing uh, here in Hamilton County. I've seen some of their uh, developments they've been worked on. They got one approved, I think it was last year. Um, a small small development, and they do great work, and they had a lot of uh, developers share some great ideas. Uh, but the simple truth is, we have very little land left in Fishers to develop. Uh, so it comes down to your redevelopment or trying to increase the density. Now, even those that may share the desire to allow people that have less income to to live here, they will also push back on uh, more dense living arrangements. Um, they will see that and, and I'll talk to them and they'll say they don't like it. And and so you get a lot of nimbyism, um, not in my backyard. And, and it's, 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 it's frustrating because we have to find that balance. And so I think that's the key that the, the city council has to focus on is when developers come to us and say, we'd like to use this land for this purpose, we need to figure out how we have the right balance. Obviously, the developer's interests are to make the most profit, and there's nothing wrong with a business attempting to do that. Um, but we are the balance towards that, and we need to set proper you know, zoning and, and restrictions uh, so that we can have the most affordable housing developments we can, we can possibly have um, and redevelop the land that you know, possibly you know, isn't used to its best uh, extent in a way that uh, welcomes you know a, a wide array of people that might want to live here and call Fisher's home. I want to take a I looked at, I looked at your website right the night before we record this, and uh, I want to quote it's a quote from your website. What I have seen are developments that benefit the developers while leaving the needs and desires of residents behind. We lack many of the amenities communities of our size typically offer, and we are quickly running out of space. I'll close the quote, and yes, we are running out of space. That is a fact. But I'm curious, when you're referring to, which developments are you referring to uh, when you cite that? Well, you know, so in my day job, I work with a lot of developers, and I see, you know, there, there's been a big push towards uh, what they call mixed-use developments. And so when I'm speaking to that, I, I will say I'm, there are other ones, uh, but I'm primarily referring to those. Um, and the idea of them is, is great on paper, um, but, you know, it requires – a, a degree of planning and also, you know, waiting for things to th- things to happen. I'm going to give an example here. So, like I said last time I ran, I really focused on the downtown district. That has been completely changed in the last four years. Completely changed. And I will point out that, um, unlike a lot of communities, we don't really have a a, cent- a town center in the way that you know, Noblesville or, or Carmel or, you know, a lot of other towns and a lot of places I've lived, I live in six, six different places, have kind of a, a, a town center that people kind of congregate in. And there's an enormous amount of foot traffic when you go there on a, on a Friday night, Saturday afternoon, those, those uh, sort of times when families might want to be out or you might want to go out on a date in the evening. And when you go down to the downtown district, that has been redeveloped where they have these mixed-use developments and they have retail spaces, spaces for restaurants that either are not taken up by retail and restaurants or those places have struggled to stay there. Uh, one, the cost is high uh, and it's 
higher than what was previously there. So when I've seen towns be successful in their downtown development, what I've seen is they allow for organic growth, redevelop, you know, they take a small property and somebody makes use of that property. It can be a, you know, one business upstairs and the downstairs has another business. When you completely level everything, start over and allow the developer to charge whatever they can possibly get, it prices a lot of small businesses out of that market. And it makes you for things like a restaurant, which are already small margin businesses, it makes it very hard. You know, uh, Park Place Grill has been there for a while now, but before that, you know, that restaurant had changed over, you know, many times. You know, there's a lot of examples. I mean, I'll say, you know, right there across from Four Day Ray, I love going to Four Day Ray. There's some retail spaces there that are not taken up by retail tenants. Um, so there's a reason why the foot traffic is failing there. Um, and the city can do more working with developers to make those sort of developments successful, but it requires uh, a degree of um, hands-on <laughs> um, uh, you know, pushing and prodding uh, to get those developers to uh, really prioritize making those developments work for residents, not just the tenants that might move in. And you mentioned amenities that are lacking here that are, are in cities of our size. What amenities were you referring to? Well, I mean, I, I, I find myself uh, going out of Fishers to have, have a good time, to have fun more often than I feel like I should for a city of our size. And it's not, you know, big things. I know that we have a lot of things coming and that's great to hear. Uh, but, you know, things like, you know, theaters, uh, not, well, movie theaters, uh, you know, we don't have a movie theater that's kind of crazy on its own. There's a lot of great new movie theaters out there, new styles of movie theaters. But you know, uh, you know, music venues. You know, we have some nearby nearby ones. Uh, we we have the Nickel Plate Amphitheater. We've had some you know decent concerts there, but we don't have a you know a concert hall or anything like that. Um, we have uh, Connor Prairie, but we don't have other museums. We don't have like a you know science museum that I've seen a lot of that draws you know kids and families to uh, on our on a regular basis. There's a lot of the things we have have been there for you know a long time. I came to Connor Prairie when I was a kid growing up in Fort Wayne, and there was nothing else around. <laughs> well, I remember those days. <laughs> if yes. I knew it was Fishers, I didn't go. <laughs> I don't don't remember. Um, so I I I just see myself and when I talk to community members and I ask them, I said, what do you do? Where do you go when you leave the house? And more often than not, when they start listing things, they talk about heading out of Fishers to go do things in surrounding communities. And I just, that, that for a city of over a hundred thousand people, I think that's a shame. But it's still a question that Mike Fossil asks everyone uh, because he describes what politicians and elected officials need. He calls it a filter because whether you're a candidate or if you're an office holder, people are showering you with ideas and suggestions and so forth. You can't do them all. And just because, and I heard one candidate say, I may get a hundred ideas here, which may not have any merit, but I may get one over here, which is very meritorious. So how would you, if you were elected to the council, how would you do this filtering of figuring out what what is worth consideration as what what is not when you're getting all sorts of interests uh, lobbying for mm-hmm. you? Well, I mean, 
you know, when you're in that sort of position, you are um, given a lot more information than the general public has. Um, so a lot of times you have people coming to you and, and you, we brought up the housing situation. Uh, there are a lot of desires I might even have for affordable housing that I know just aren't real, a realistic possibility. Um, you know, for, for reasons that are outside of our control. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one of those filters. What is a reasonable possibility? Um, you know, I, I did hear some of your, your podcasts. You brought up the, um, you know, the, the idea of trash collection, which is something we tackled in our, on our HOA when I was HOA president. And, um, you know, and we negotiated that and figured out we, we could save money. Uh, but when you have a broader, you know, city and there's a lot, you know, there's a, a huge variance in, in the types of neighborhoods and everything. It's a bigger question. And the, the, the real answer to your question is uh, the filter will be people, will be including people up front. Um, right now, the city council, when they, have, when they hold a vote and there is a public comment, there's very little information to even, you know, <laughs> if you're sitting there in the audience, if you happen to come to a city council meeting, there's almost no information to really go on to even have an opinion before you make a public comment. Um, so a lot of these things need to happen and, you know, ha- you know have meetings and that, that is, you know, one-on-one meetings with, with uh, neighbors and, and constituents. Um, that's, you know, public meetings. You know, I intend to, to meet with as you know, many people as I can, you know, hold, hold time with and, and make myself publicly available. My, you know, phone number's out there. Um, and and try to get if if I don't know if I don't have a very clear answer in my head as far as what the right you know move might be it's going to be reaching out to as many people that I trust um, and in, and that includes varying opinions um, on an issue. Let me move on to something else because I moved to Fishers in uh, 1991. It was a very different place. The 1990 census pegged the town of Fishers population at about 7,500. If it gives gives you an idea what this place was like at that time. Over the years, we have become a much more diverse community. How do you think the city has handled the increasing diversity among its population? Well, um, I mean, both amazingly and also, sadly, not not so great in in, in some ways. Um, you know, we heard from a from a voice at a, a previous city council meeting that you know um, things the, the basic sentiment was uh, things used to be a lot quieter, and now um, there's there's a lot of voices and a lot of dissent and a lot of you know anger going around. And uh, he pointed the finger at those of us who are running against the incumbents. Um, uh, and my answer to that, as I sat back and listened, because I didn't think that was the the appropriate venue to, to have that conversation was, uh, well, they've never had a choice before, so why would they say anything? Um, you know, we are a diverse community now. We were even back then. Um, but when people don't feel they have a voice, they stick to themselves. You know, there are people in my neighborhood that are uh, minorities. My neighborhood, like many neighborhoods, is, is uh, primarily white. And even being on the, um, you know, serving on the, on the board there and getting to know a lot of people, the minority population within my neighborhood stayed to themselves, and I had to actively go out and engage them. And, and you know, so there's a level of comfort that populations that haven't been represented and don't think their voice is going to be heard, uh, they're not going to have that comfort to, to reach out. And, and, and now they do. Um, now they, they – and it's not just uh, minor, racial minorities. It might be – you know, people of uh, you know, in the, within the LGBTQ community it can be really anybody that doesn't fit the mold 
um, <laughs> that you know, some people in Fishers thinks people need to fit. And, you know, they have, uh, I think they have voices now ready to represent them. And so I think what you're seeing is a lot of people are actually starting to use their voice that they had before and they just kept it to themselves. Um, so I think we're seeing a real representation of what Fishers truly is. Yeah. Yeah, this is a Mike Fossil question. I'm stealing from him, but uh, he and I, I'm, he lives in Sedona Woods near 136th and Promise. My wife and I lived there for several years before we moved to our, our retirement residence. But when the town of Fishers expanded years ago, didn't want to fight with certain homeowners and property owners, so they just expanded mm-hmm. around them. What this has created is what we call Swiss cheese areas, areas within the city that are not technically in the city. That's why they're called Swiss cheese areas. But there's some practical impacts to that, and one would be Promise Road. We lived at Sedona Woods. My daughters went to Fishers High School. They couldn't walk if they wanted to, at least not safely, Mm -hmm. because there are no sidewalks. And the reason there are no sidewalks is because – those property owners never annexed themselves into the city of Fish yeah. or the town of Fishers years ago when those annexations happened and they are still not within the city limits of Fishers. So that's not the only place. There are several places around the city where <clears throat> sidewalks are lacking and there's some other issues. So how does the city get around that? Um well, I mean, one, I, I, I feel your pain. I, I, you know, run for exercise, and um, yeah, you do have to kind of pick and choose your your routes, and you, you find one that works. Um, I will share a quick story. Uh, I don't think I've shared this uh, previously with you, at least. Um, the first time I ever got involved with the, the city, I ever actually reached out to the city, was shortly after I moved into my neighborhood in Sand Creek Woods. Um, and we have a, a walking path there uh, that was built uh, to facilitate uh, access to the, uh, the sewer line. And they, there's a, a creek, sand creek, that runs you know, right you know, across the street from behind that, those houses. And um, when I looked on the trail map, there was supposed to be a bridge that crossed that creek and continued on to the woods that had been cleared out for a path. And then that path continued on across 121st. I engaged with the city. They sent out an engineer to kind of look at the situation, and and they said they'd you know con- consider it for the for the next budget. They'd have someone come out and do a study and everything. And you know, I know that's a huge expense, um, but it was on their trail map. Is the point on their city trail map? Um, and it would have connected two pre-existing trails. And so, you know, and, and well, long story short, that still hasn't happened uh, eight years later. <laughs> Uh, well, they did. They did remove it from the trail map. That's that's true. But, um, uh, but yeah. Uh, so that's one big problem is is connections. Um, I mean, there there are other issues. Obviously, I see it in uh, running for city council. You know very intimately what your your what the the city map looks like. You know where the holes are. Um, how do they How do they do that? I mean, I think what you see. Uh, in almost every council meeting, you'll see um, annexations, uh, and those are properties that homeowners or businesses want to bring into the city for you know certain reasons. Usually, that's to connect to you know sewer or, or you know, other other uh, utilities. Um, I think you know tr- making the city attractive to a homeowner that may have no reason, no other reason to uh, you know be a part of the city, but you know. We give them reasons to be a part of the the city rather than just a part of the county. That's really you know all we can do, and how we go about that is uh, building a city that provides you know 
uh, things that they can use, uh, you know, access to, um, like I said before, amenities and uh, affordable services. It may be a trash service in the future <laughs> if it goes that way, it goes so that way. I don't Who knows? To, I don't have to um, ask that question. You've already answered. Right. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I honestly don't have an answer as far as how I'd fall on that because I, I I don't know without looking at a lot of numbers. But um, but it could be, and that that would be one you know uh, you know care that we can um, give to cl- to close those holes. Yeah. On the same ballot uh, where your name will appear, uh, there will be a school funding referendum. So explain your position, even though it's not a city issue, but it's a community issue. And uh, all the city elected officials, uh, the city council, the mayor are solidly behind the referendum. What's your view? Uh, I mean, I don't know anybody I've talked to that's against it. I know that there are. Um, I've, I've heard uh, that there are voices against it. Um, I have not personally talked to those people. You know, we move here primarily for one reason, and that's the schools. I think that's what draws the majority of people into Fishers. Uh, even if they don't have kids now, it's, you know, kids in the future, and they want to set up a life here for these schools. Uh, obviously, that's why I came here, and I love our schools. And, you know, I, I see... You know the struggles my uh, you know son was just talking about uh, some some cuts to programs that he was a- interested in some science programs. You know, not everyone. You know, we we love our sport. You know, the, the sports teams here is obviously a huge, huge part of the community. Um, not all the students are on all, you know on those teams. They find other other uh, extracurricular activities to do, and um, unfortunately, uh, you know, while while sports budgets rarely get cut. Uh, other other budgets do arts and, and sciences and those kind of things and so I see uh, you know that the budget is expanding those I I, I, want to, I just talked to um, the lady who's kind of uh, representing that that pack that's that's uh, pushing for this and you know she mentioned that it fund it funds field trips and you know I, I wasn't even aware of that in fact you know she mentioned the field trip my daughter had just gone on to the agri park which is a great amenity here in, in Fishers um, you know. We don't need to see our budget cut. No, no good can come from that. I mean, I, I, I find it um, crazy to think that this wouldn't wouldn't pass. Uh, obviously, uh, I, I support it, um, and I think that that's something we, we need to continue to figure out how to invest and make uh, our teacher salaries competitive. Um, the uh, my, my my partner in life right now, she works at IPS schools. She's an elementary school teacher. Uh, she can't <laughs> work here because she can't afford to to take that sort of pay cut. There's reasons for that uh, as far as uh, you know why IPS might need to pay you know, teachers more. I understand that, uh, but we need to be competitive uh, with other uh, school districts like ours. Um, and I think you know I think we provide a great environment for those teachers, uh, but we need to do even more. I want to go back to your website. Uh, you did write the following that you will doc, you write about engaging residents on big decisions and you go on to say that you want to create new avenues of communication. So what avenues are you speaking of here? Well, so um, if you are trying say there's a particular um, issue, uh, you know maybe a new development in you know near your neighborhood or something that you're concerned about, how you typically find out about that is a, a little orange two by three sign in the yard that says public notice. You might find it in the back of the current. Um, there's other avenues you can you can find it, but you have to really be looking for it. Um, from what I have seen. Uh, when the city feels like it's something that they can easily sell and they're not going to have pushback on, they like to do a big splashy, you know, announcement. Um, 
Uh, when it's not something like that, when they think there might be any you know pushback, they might get uh, the, you know the developers might talk one on one with with those neighbors uh, to make sure they get their support. But there's not a big public uh, outreach for uh, you know getting uh, community comment. Um, you know, so we have the facilities, uh, PR facilities, to get the word out when we want to as a city. Uh, we've shown we can do that, uh, but we don't always do that. So that's one thing is we need to be more. We need to use those facilities all the time, not just when we think people are going to love everything we're doing, but even when there might be a little pushback. And we have to be big enough to accept that pushback and, and hear those people that uh, may disagree with us. So that's that's you know one thing. Having, I mean, it's going to be a a, uh, a thing where I actually have to go out and talk to to people because people don't generally pay attention. You have to educate them. When I'm going door, going door to door, you're educating people on what's going on. Um, and then they realize, oh, that's how that affects me. That's how that happens. Uh, oh, I might show up to a city council meeting now. You know, making city council meetings actually useful to come to uh, if you're not being, you know, awarded uh, something in the beginning of the, the the hour there, and you know, you, you sit, you know, sit hour and a half later, you might get a little. Um, tidbit of what's going on and, and, you know, a new change and then it lasts for five minutes and there's public comment period and then, you know, <laughs> a vote and it's done. It's it's kind of useless to show up. And I hate to say that to people because I want to encourage them to come, but we need to change that that mentality, both in the city and the public. And that comes through giving them actual reasons. So when they show up, they, they say something and then something actually happens. Um, and it, it's something that's going to take years uh, to change that, that viewpoint that the residents have here. So... Well, uh, we're about out of time, so in a minute or two, just to explain why voters should vote for <coughs> Lane Skeeters at the South Central District for the Fisher City Council seat. Yeah, well, I mean, I have lived here since 2015. I love Fishers. Uh, obviously, as I mentioned, I have you know kids here and, and Fishers that I want to raise. I care a lot about making this community some uh, you know a place that is uh, not only safe and has great schools and you know things that the basic needs we have, but it's also a, a great place to live and have fun and play. And we spend all of our uh, free time uh, in it. You know, I, I think that we've seen a lot of changes uh, with regards to those, but I don't think we've seen a lot of great execution uh, when it comes to uh, building a city that is, is great to live, work, and play in. And I think that there's a lot of missed opportunities. I think that I, I bring a, a fresh voice perspective that's a, a little different. Uh, we didn't get in really into into my background, but um, you know, I work with a lot of small businesses and, and developers and, and get to hear their stories. And I think we need to really re-engage with our small business community. I think they are feeling left behind. Um, and, you know, not really represented. So, you know, it, it, it's a great uh, opportunity here uh, this year to, to uh, you know, affect some change on the council. Um, we don't know how that's going to go, but I look forward to working with everybody on the council, both, you know, the, the incumbents who may stay on and any new members. Um, I've had a good relationship with the, with John, who I'm running against. He's a, he's a great guy. I'm, you know, I say running against, but I'm, I'm running for, uh, the, the council, and uh, I told him I hope he, if I do make it onto the council, I hope I can count him as a mentor as well. Um, so I, I just look forward to serving the community and being a representative of, of people like me here in, in Fishers. Lane Skeeters is a Democrat, a candidate for South Central District, the seat there on the Fisher City Council. Lane, thanks so much. Thank you, Larry.